We are trusting God that the seed in the nations will produce abundantly in the name of Jesus. We rejoice in what you are doing. And above all, Father, these ones are the seed you've given to me. Thank you, Lord. They are the seed you've put my way. Oh, God, like you prayed, say, of all that the Lord has given to me, none, I lose none. God, I demand and I believe. I will lose none in the name of Jesus Christ. I will lose none in the name of Jesus Christ. Everyone that is connected to this covenant seed, everyone that is connected to this work, I demand that life will flow through you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, wonderful Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me talk with you this morning on uh, an interesting, but also very simple subject. It's something that you already know. Um, it's not part of the cross, but basically, I'm talking about the Passover. You need to see, you need to get some benefits of the Passover. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, we still have people who celebrate the Passover. Uh, they just celebrate it as part of the feast. Uh, so we have Passover celebration, we have Pentecostal celebrations, and we have the Tabernacle celebration. You know, GKS does that. At the end of the year, they call it the Feast of Tabernacles. Amen? Remember that? So, we still have people who celebrate this feast in the physical dimension. There's nothing wrong with it, but I want you to see a reality this morning about your Passover. And I want you to see the benefit of what Passover should mean to you and what it stands for as a believer. Amen? Hallelujah. Are you there with me? Okay, so you, if you want, you can say Christ our Passover. Just, just take that as Christ our Passover. Now, you're going to be looking strong into your Bible this morning. Christ, our Passover. But I'm going to be reading an interesting story from Second Chronicles to begin with. In the book of Second Chronicles, I'm going to read it from verse 15. It has to do with Hezekiah when he was bringing forth his reform. When he was rebuilding Jerusalem, as the case may be, in the kingdom. And uh, when he became a king. And uh, we'll find that the Bible says as the people were walking, they found the book. And then they were able to go through the book and realize that there ought to be this feast that they were supposed to be celebrating that they have not been celebrating. In fact, as at the time Hezekiah came into place, Israel was in a state of laxity and uh, so much apostasy was going on. Men have left what they were supposed to know. Men have fallen away from where they were supposed to be. So, so much corruption was going on. So now Hezekiah came in and he was bringing this reform. People like Hezekiah, Josiah, Jephthah, they brought reform to Jerusalem in the time of the kings when corruption was truly going on. And some of you need to stand up, I believe so. That God will need to begin to speak to some of you and that wherever you are, you can bring a reformation to that system as a believer. Amen? If you know the God I called you, if you know who your God is. But now, Hezekiah came to the point and said, well, we need to celebrate this feast again. Because that is one of the things we've left undone. In other words, they have to celebrate the feast of Passover. Amen? Okay, but something was going on here. The Bible made us to understand. If you go to Exodus chapter 12, time is not there, but you can write it down. When the Passover was going on, the Bible made us to understand that every household was supposed to have a lamb. Is that not true? Praise the living God. Every household was supposed to have a lamb that would be slaughtered or sacrificed for each of the houses. And that is what also you need to understand. That is also why you find that Job was offering sacrifices on behalf of his children. Because before the law, before the Levitical priesthood came into being, every father was a priest in his household. Hallelujah. 
And that is very important for you as a man to understand that you are a priest in your family. Hallelujah. Now, but something happened here. The Bible made us understand that this sacrifice, the lamb that were going to be brought for the Passover, these people could not slaughter the lambs. They couldn't kill the lambs because they were polluted. They were corrupted because they're falling out of faith. So the Levites have to consecrate themselves so that they can take the lamb for the people and sacrifice on behalf of the people. I'm just trying to give you a background to what we're about to read. Amen. Now watch this. Let's go now to verse 15. Second Chronicles 30, verse 15. The Bible says, Then they killed the Passover. Are we all there? Then they killed the Passover on the 14th day of the second month. And the priests and the Levites were ashamed and sanctified themselves and brought in the burnt offerings into the house of the Lord. Why were they ashamed? Because they have not been performing their duty before now. The whole nation was in the state of corruption. Praise the living God. So they have to go into consecration. They have to go purify themselves before they can come and offer the parts of a lamb. Now verse 16. And they stood in their place after their manner, according to the law of Moses, the man of God. The priests sprinkled the blood with the receive of the hand of the Levites. For there were many in the congregation that were not sanctified. Amen? The people were not sanctified, so they couldn't offer the lamb. Therefore, the Levite had the charge of the killing of the Passover. I want you to know this because it's very important. I'm taking you deep down to something this morning that you need to understand. Why would the Levite be the one to kill the lamb? Who is the lamb? Hallelujah. For the Levite, the Levites are the priesthood. How many of you remember that? Now, the Levite had the charge of the killing of the Passovers. That is the lambs. For everyone that was not clean. Please, I want you to mark that. Is that okay? The Levites were in charge of killing the lambs or the Passovers for everyone, everyone that was not clean to sanctify them unto the Lord. Amen? Praise the Lord. Okay, let me just take something here. Uh, first of all, like I explained, everybody has the right qualified to offer the lamb according to Exodus 12. Is that alright? But something happened here. Now, there is something I want you to know now. The word clean. They were not clean. That is why they couldn't do it. Is that alright? Now, the word clean is very important. The Hebrew word actually means that which is pure in a physical, chemical, ceremonial, or moral sense. So, cleanness it's not just a matter of just some. You know, it's so deep. When the Bible says they were not clean to offer the sacrifice, mean physically they were not clean, ceremonially they were not clean. If you want to use what chemically within, they were not clean. Is that okay? Every aspect of the people was so polluted that they can offer the sacrificial lamb. As far as I'm concerned, it speaks about the world. Hallelujah. It's like saying the whole world was in a state of pollution and confusion that they can afford what God wants as a sacrifice. Praise the living God. Are you still there? And the Bible talks about to sanctify them. To sanctify is to make or to pronounce or to observe to be ceremonially clean. Hallelujah. And then they were sanctifying these people unto the Lord. The word Lord in that passage is the word Jehovah. Jehovah means the self-existing one. 
Hallelujah. So when God, the Bible is making us understand, when you are presented to the Lord, you are being presented to the self-existing one. Are you sitting there with me? And you remember something here. If God takes you, who is the self-existing one, you live with him in that state of his existence. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Praise the living God. Okay, so now, let's go down to the main story. I just gave you a background to what I really want to discuss. Very interesting, and you like it. Now, watch this. First Corinthians 5, verse number 7. First Corinthians 5, verse number 7. They presented these people to the self-existing one. They consecrated these people to the self-existing one. Which people did that? The Levites. After they sanctified themselves. And the Levites were the priests. And the Levites were the one that killed the lamb. They killed the lamb so that they can present the people to the self-existing one. Are you still there with me? Hallelujah. First Corinthians 5. Verse number 7. Look at what he also said. Part out therefore the old leaven, your old man, your old way of life. That ye may be a new land. As ye are unliving. For even Christ. Are you there with me? Even Christ. Who is Christ? Our Passover is sanctified for us. Hallelujah. Did you get that? Verse 8. Therefore let us keep the feast. Not with old living, neither with the living of malice or wickedness, but with the unliving bread of sincerity and what? And truth. Praise the Lord. Even Christ our Passover. So the, the celebration of Christ, the memorial service, if you will, is no longer a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. But I implication the truth is this when we come to church, we come to celebrate our Passover. Because we are celebrating Christ. Amen? Are you getting what I'm talking about? Good. It's very important you understand what I'm saying this morning. You are not just coming to church. Because by the time we come to the end of what I'm saying, you will understand the importance, the significance, and the reality of what Passover is to you. And why you need to not just be in service, but you come with the spirit and attitude of celebrating what God has done by giving to you your Passover lamb. Amen? And here the Bible says Christ is our Passover lamb. So when we come to celebrate, in other words, when you come to service, don't come with the spirit of, are you getting what I'm talking about? We're talking about unliving bread, or, or living, or as the case may be, he's talking about don't come with grudges against people. Don't come with hatred in your heart against people. Are you sitting there with me? All those things are living in the feast that you are celebrating. And God said, you don't come to church, you don't come to fellowship with such spirit in your mind. So before you come, now see what Jesus said. He said, you want to pray? And when you go to the altar and you remember that somebody are out against you. Watch this. The person offended you, not you offended the person. But you remember somebody offended you. You leave whatever thing you are doing on the altar. You go and make amends. He didn't say the person should come to you. You are the one offended. You are the one to go. No, what you think God is the different story entirely from the perception of human beings. We must come to think ordinarily that human beings, if you are the one who offended me, you come and beg me. <laughs> are you sitting there with me? But here God is saying, did you remember somebody offended you? Say yes. And so both of you are angry. By implication, the person offended you. Whether you know it 
or he knew it or not, the person offended you, something is wrong with your mind now. Your thinking is completely wrong towards that individual. You stop your prayers. You stop your sacrifices. Go and make amends before you come to pray. Are you still there with me? You see, that tells you something. God is not necessary after your activity. Is that okay? He wants your heart. He wants your spirit. With what kind of spirit are you doing what you are doing? Even if you are praying, with what kind of spirit? And that surprises me when people pray, thinking about people killing them and wanting to kill people. What kind of spirit are they praying? Hallelujah. Okay. Go to First Corinthians chapter 2. Let me look at something. Hallelujah. Bible speaking here says, 1 Corinthians 2 verse number 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Amen. Now, I'm bringing out something to you here. Who killed Jesus? You know, come on, we said the devil killed Jesus. Pilate killed Jesus. Pilate didn't kill Jesus. I'm going to explain that to you this morning. Pilate didn't kill Jesus. And the princess of the world that killed Jesus have nothing to do with the devil. Are you sitting? I'm going to surprise you. But when you read the scripture, you understand the mysteries of God. That's what they're calling mystery. Praise the living God. And sometimes you can't blame the people that killed Jesus. Fine. That is not the wrong you can blame them. But if you have an understanding, you give all thanks to the Lord. The Bible says, if they had known, they wouldn't have done it. That means they did it in ignorance or something made them to do it. But they have to do it all the same. Remember, the people that offer the lamb were the Levites. Not just anybody. And that is one of the reasons you find that John the Baptist had to baptize Jesus. Because John for the tribe of a priestly family. He was the son of Zacharias. And every lamb to be offered must be first washed. So the principle of the baptism was to wash the lamb. Oh come on, is anybody hearing what I'm talking about? Glory to God. The lamb has to be washed for the lamb to be what? Offered. And nobody else was qualified but John. Because he was the son of Zachariah, he was the priest. Only the priests were qualified to watch the lamb. Are you see that? Okay. Watch this. Now, get now to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I'm discussing our Passover with you this morning. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 2. Let's look at verse 22. Paul, I mean Peter speaking on the day of Pentecost. And he says, verse 22, Ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. Are you there with me? A man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. Which God did by him in the midst of you. As ye yourself also know, him being delivered by what? The determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. 
Hallelujah. Ye have taken and by wicked hand have crucified and slain. But don't forget, he said, <laughs> if the princes of this world had known, they would not have crucified a lot of glory. Is that okay? Now, Peter is here speaking and saying, you are the people that killed the lamb or Jesus. Who are they talking to? A people, not a devil. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes people speak and somebody once asked me, say, Pastor David, you watch this. I believe that there is nothing anybody does in their life in relation to killing that the devil is not involved. The devil is behind every wicked thing. I say, I have no problem. But I also see the one that God is behind. Hallelujah. Was it the devil that killed Jesus? I don't believe so. The Bible says, by predominant knowledge, full knowledge of God, you have taken. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Why is it wicked? Yes, I don't need to have to explain all of that to you. But that which is contrary to, to righteousness or truth is time wicked. But if you look at Isaiah 45, the Bible tells us, and the Bible says, I create darkness and I create light. I create evil. Did he say so? What is evil? Evil simply means darkness. How do you create darkness? You switch off your lights and darkness comes in. When you remove knowledge from people, they fall into darkness. It's not a difficult thing to do. So when light is not in the people's mind, the next thing is what? Darkness. What is darkness? Wickedness. And what did Isaiah prophesy? He said, hearing you will hear, but we don't understand. See, you will see, but we don't perceive. Lest you see and hear, I understand, and I will hear them. So who gave the ministry of blindness to the people? I'll leave that for you to answer. Praise the Lord. Now this thing is simple as far as I'm concerned. You don't argue something. You say, don't defend God. He's big and mighty enough to defend himself. The petty theology can't defend God. Amen? <laughs> Remember what they told Gideon, where Gideon had to crush the, the altar of Baal or whatever. And they were trying to say, no, the father said, come on, Jerubal. If you think Baal is God, let God defend himself. You don't go look for the person that destroyed the altar of Baal. God is able to defend himself. Amen? Hallelujah. You only need to pray to receive light, otherwise you fall into darkness and you can do wicked things. The Bible said they did all of this and if they had known, but they didn't know. So who made them not to know? Oh, come on. Okay, now let me, let's begin to see what I'm talking about. Don't forget, somebody crucified him and they called the princess of this world. Because sometimes I have often been saying this, when you read the word princess, your mind equally simply goes to who? The devil. Of course, the Bible says the devil is also the prince of this world in Ephesians 2. But here the Bible is talking about the princess of this world. They crucified the Lord of glory. Amen. Okay, turn with me to the book of John chapter 18. Let's look at a couple of scriptures here. John chapter 18. And don't you forget, in 2 Chronicles 30, we'll find that the Levites have to offer the Passover lambs. Amen. They did kill the Passover lamb. Okay. John 18 verse number 1 I read. Are we there? When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the broken kingdom 
Where was the garden into which he entered and his disciples? Judas also could betray him knew the place. But Jesus often came and thither with his disciples. Jesus then, having received a band of men, an officer from which people, the chief priests and Pharisees, come and thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Hallelujah. Who are the people that came? Those who receive the authority from which people? The priests and the Pharisees. Okay, go to verse 12. Verse 12. Then they burned and the captain and the officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. Follow the story. Verse 13. And led him away to Annas first. For he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was a high priest that same year. <laughs> Are you following the story? Okay. And Annas was saying Christ bound to Caiaphas, a high priest. Now, there is something very interesting I need to read in verse 14. Now, Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. I I get what I'm talking about. Caiaphas gave counsel to the Jews that it was necessary for somebody to die for you. To me, he was speaking prophetically. Because of what high priest. Amen. Now he didn't know who the person is going to be. But somebody was going to die for the people. Jesus died for you. Are you sitting there with me? Glory to God. Now go to verse 24. Verse 24. And Annas has sent him back unto Caiaphas, the high priest. Now if you look at that, if you go back again to look at Matthew 26, verse 57, you can just write it down. The Bible says, the high, with the high priests, there were scribes and there were elders and they were all assembled together. Alright? Okay. Go to verse 28. Of, just write down the one I said in Matthew chapter 26, 57. Write it down. We don't need to read that now. But I want you to go to same place in John 18. Look at verse 28. Are you there? Then led the Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment. Hall of judgment. With the judgment hall of Pilate now. Amen? Are you there? And it was early. And they themselves went into the judgment hall. Led, I mean, they themselves went not into the judgment hall. Lest they be not defied. But that they might eat the Passover. They want to partook of the Passover. Because it was a Passover season. They are about to celebrate the Passover. Are you see that? Now, knowing fully whether they are going to the judgment hall... It's like they are partaking of death. Now, for you to be clean, you don't touch a dead corpse. Did you understand? And so, when they go to the judgment hall, they refuse to go in. They don't want to be defiled. They want to celebrate the Passover that very evening. Hallelujah. Now, but unknown to them, they were the one bringing the lamb that they want to use for the sacrifice. They held the lamb straight. Are you still there with me? Remember, the people have to bring the lamb to the priest. Is that okay? Oh, hallelujah. Now look at verse 31. Interesting. Verse 31. Then Pilate said unto them. No, after they have examined him and all of that. Is that okay? Pilate said unto them. Take him and judge him according to your law. 
The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. Are you sure? <laughs> now I'm going to explain as well what that means. Why did they say this? Look at the next thing, verse 32. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which is saying or signifying what death he should die. Where did he say this? You find that in John 12, 32 to 33, when he said, if the Son of Man be lifted up. So the Jews said, listen to this, when, now I know from history that it came to a point where the Jews lose their right to crucify. You know, capital punishment was taken away from them at a certain stage. But the point really is this. When they say, we cannot or we can't put any man to death, it's as simple as that. When it's to fulfill what Jesus said, he has to die on the cross. But the Jews does not use crosses to kill people. The Jews stone people to death. So what is the meaning? We, we can kill him because if we do, we're going to use stones. But you are a Roman, you serving on behalf of the Roman government, and they crucify people on the cross. What God wants is on the cross. Because numbers have already told us, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness. Is that okay? So if the Jews have to kill him, they're going to use stones. That will not fulfill the prophecy of the book of Numbers. And again, John 3, 13, 14, Jesus, 15, Jesus also made the same statement. As Moses lifted up, remember that? The serpent in the wilderness, so also shall the son of man be what? Be lifted up. So the Jews cannot come in now because they don't have the means of lifting up. There is only one place by which he can be lifted up, and that is where? On the cross. So he said, they said, we can crucify him. We can kill him. Because our method of killing is stoning. But what was prophesied is what? The cross. Are you getting the picture? Hallelujah. Verse 35. You know, there is something that happened then that Pilate now asked Jesus the question, are you a king then? Jesus said, well, for this purpose was I born. Remember that? And first of all, he asked him the question, who told you that? Are you speaking this of yourself? And Pilate said, am I a Jew? It means the Jewish people told me this. Amen? They said, you said you are a king. And I've explained that to you here before. The implication of the accusation is this. If Jesus claimed to be a king, that means the, the Jewish people will no longer pay tax to Caesar. Because the Jewish people were subject to the Roman government, Caesar was the king. Is that okay? So if another king should arise, it simply means those subjects of the people will pay tithes to that particular king. Is that okay? Good. That was the implication. So they tried to rope him in by saying he said he's a king of the Jews. So Pilate, if you think you're going to let him go, then you are not a friend of Caesar. So in that point, Pilate have no option. Because if he dare allow him to go, and he says he's a king, that means there's already a rebellion. That means there's already another faction. That means another king is coming into place. Are you getting this picture? No, that is what they use to rope him. Sometimes people want to find excuses to run you down. But God is going to give you privileges. God is going to give you wisdom to prevail over the accusation. Amen? And I want to believe that there is nothing that is going to do to you. If God does not ordain it, it's not going to prosper. Hallelujah. So verse 35. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? The whole nation and the chief priest. Watch that. The whole nation and the chief priest have delivered thee unto me. What art thou done? Who delivered him? 
and the chief priest. Hallelujah. Are you see that? Good. The whole nation and the chief priest have delivered thee unto me. What I want you to point out is this. So when in first Corinthians we read, the princess of this world, have they known, will not have crucified who? The Lord of glory. Who are the princes of this world? The scribes and the Pharisees, the high priest. Nothing to do with the devil. Are you see that? They are the ones that crucify him. But you see, they can't kill him by themselves. They have to deliver him. Right? Now watch this. The priest in the book of Second Chronicles made us to understand the people have to come with the lamb and then give him to the priest for the priest to kill him. So therefore, the priest in that time and that season, they are the only one qualified to do what? To kill Jesus. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Now, when they were doing what they were doing, they didn't know what they were doing. In fact, by the time they hung him on the cross, and then there was this reed they plated to put on his head, and they fed while they were trying to mock him. Look at the next thing they did. They put a robe, a purple robe on him. Remember that? What does it stand for? Purple speaks of exaltation, of glorification, of magnification. They were magnifying Jesus as a king unknown to them. They gave him a purple robe. Praise the living God. Now, one thing you need to understand also is this. Watch this. When the Bible says there was this reed that pierced his head and blood is coming down, I've explained that to you sometime. It is how God wants to guard us in your mind. How God wants to, you see, in other words, even at the point of your mind, you are redeemed. Do you understand that? He, he has to touch your mind, he has to touch your spirit. When the blood was gushing from his head, your mind was getting cleansed. It was part of his blood watching your mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That is why your thought is no longer some other person's thought. I was actually trying to share with you today about you being sought, but you see, something moved me. I have to come this way. But one thing you don't need to understand what the Bible says. May your way be seasoned with salt. Salt actually speaks for wisdom. Amen? So wisdom begins to flow from your mind. I can't expect you, and God is not expecting you to live below. Your life, to live your life below the expectation of God with regards to how to apply wisdom in your daily living. There is so much that God has released, even on the cross. Part of the redemption of the cross is that you're full of wisdom. Amen? His mind was pierced. His thoughts were pierced so that you can receive the mind of God. Everything he suffered turned out to be something glorious for you. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay, let's begin to see why do you celebrate Passover? What is the benefit of this Passover thing we're talking about? What am I saying? When you come to church, when you come to what you call the garden of the saints of God, basically you're coming to celebrate what? The feast of Passover. So right now we are in a celebration mood. Amen? Hallelujah. Number one, if you care to write it down, you're going to take this down. Why do we celebrate Passover? Why is it instituted? To celebrate the deliverance, number one, to celebrate the deliverance of Israelite from Egyptian bondage, as it were. In other words, to celebrate the deliverance of the Israelites from Egyptian bondage. So why do we celebrate Passover today? We are celebrating, when we come to church, we are celebrating our freedom from every form of spiritual bondage. 
Praise the living God. Are you see that? They just, anytime they celebrate Passover then, they were doing it, they were just trying to remember that the Lord delivered us from Egypt. Hallelujah. That was the purpose. So when you come to service, why do you think you come to service? You are not really coming to service to beg God for certain things. You come in to say, God, I thank you because you set me free from the wall. Amen? Hallelujah. Number two. It is the celebration to commemorate the sparing of their firstborn when the destroying angels smote the firstborn of the Egyptians. I'm never remember that. Amen? Remember the angel of death that went round in the night. The Bible made us understand anytime they see the blood, the Passover. Now I have always explained this. It was not the devil that was passing by. It was the angel of God that was passing by. Praise the living God. So therefore, if you, if you think you need to plead the blood against the devil, well, I have no problem with that. But truly speaking, on that particular day, it was not the devil that was passing around Egypt. It was God himself that was moving around Egypt with the angel of destruction. Amen? Are you still there with me? Glory. So now, they were celebrating. Now, when the angel was passing by, the Bible made us understand, every firstborn in every home was destroyed. Why was it so? Because Israel was now representing the firstborn of God among the nations of the world. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, I want to believe something. Those who want to hold you captive, God has a way of doing an exchange. Now you can understand precisely but the Bible says the wicked are meant for the ransom for the righteous. So, for Israel to go as a firstborn, the firstborn of the Egyptians have to go. Did you get that? Praise the living God. So we come to celebrate that God has given us liberty and we become first fruit unto God and of his creation. That's what we are celebrating. That is what Jesus did for us. Amen. Okay, the number two, number three rider. They celebrate the Passover to commemorate deliverance from Egypt as regarded as a starting point of the Hebrew nation. It stands therefore for the beginning of your life. The day you were saved, the day you received the blood, the day you believed in Jesus Christ was the beginning of your life. Because that was when a nation was born. If you read Isaiah, the Bible says, can a nation be born in one day? The answer is eight years. Is that okay? The nation was born one day. When the pronouncement came and said, let my people go. Hallelujah. That is when the nation was born. It was one night. Move out with all your people. And watch this. If you read the story, you're going to see that. Pharaoh said, well, you can go, but your cattles, you don't go in. And that really means something to me. What the devil tells you is this, man, come in. You can go watch it go, but don't watch it go with your resources. Leave it for me. Amen? He said, you can go, but for your cartoons, you don't go with them. Just go with your children, go, but don't go with your cartoons. Don't go with whatever you need to have to sacrifice unto the Lord. So people, the devil doesn't want you to go to church with money. He doesn't want you to serve God with money. He doesn't want you to serve God with the best of your income. No, no, no. He doesn't want that. Hallelujah. But the people say, no, no, no. Moses said, no, we can't go because we need to make sacrifice. They understand something. 
that we need to go to the wilderness to make sacrifice unto the Lord. Amen? So what the devil was trying to say, man, I don't want you to serve God. Just go there and be another slave to God. Don't, God, don't go there and worship Him. Amen? But the people said, no, no, no. We're going to go with our cultures because, you know, that is what we're going to use to do what? To offer sacrifice. Praise the living God. But the funny thing I want to make you understand is, the very day they left Egypt, a nation was born. So the day you left the war, that is where you were truly born again. Praise the living God. Okay, number four. The Israelites were then raised from the condition of bondmen under a foreign tyrant to that of a free people, owing allegiance to no other one but Jehovah. You must understand it. The Bible said to whom you worship, his slave you are. Praise the Lord. To whom you subject yourself to, his slave or his bondage or whatever, that is who you are going to be. Now, so, now, you remember, Pharaoh was such a tyrant, Pharaoh was such a terrible man. Man, you can, you don't need to experience being a servant of Pharaoh for one day. You hate life. Hallelujah. Are you still there with me? So the Bible made us understand that when they came out, remember what they are celebrating. They are celebrating their freedom from under the bondage of who? Of Pharaoh. So when we're talking about Passover, when we're talking about what Jesus did, we are celebrating the fact that there is no devil behind us there is no power behind us that can put us into bondage anymore. Yeah. We came out of Egypt, we came out clean. Hallelujah. By the blood, amen? amen? Nothing of your past. You see, if you're telling me, I don't know why I keep on saying this, but if you're telling me there is something of your yesterday that is still holding on to you, you are telling me Pharaoh is still holding on to the children of Israel. But that is not applicable. Every power that was oppressing you before you knew the Lord, you were delivered from under that bondage. So don't bring that stuff to me. I can take it. Because there's no way Pharaoh, if I watch this, when Pharaoh was trying to go get his people, the rest he swallowed Pharaoh and his people. If you remember that. There is no power from your family. Maybe next week I'm going to share with you on that. And that's because we're going to deal with the world. So that you can understand from the scriptures that even Exodus 20, I was sharing with a friend recently through Facebook and then sent an SMS message. I gave him scripture. Read these three scriptures and confirm that for yourself. People think, people still teach you that your old parents sins or whatever, your father's house, your father's devil are still after you. Because of Exodus 20 verse number 5. Which says, you visit the nuclear of the... Do you understand that? But do you know, if you read the book, see, Chronicles, I can prove that to you. Time will not permit. See, Alsa himself, when they kill his father as a king, right? At Joram also. When they kill his father, when he came to the throne, he got the people that killed his father, but he didn't kill their children. And he now said, according to the law of Moses, in Deuteronomy 24 verse 16, the father cannot die for the sins of the children, and the children cannot die for the sins of the father. It was practically observed in Israel. Why is somebody preaching it to you today? The man did not kill the children. Because the children cannot die for the sins of their father. But you still believe that the sin of your father is pursuing you. Ignorance. I'll make you see that. You like that? Good word. <laughs> Glory to God. 
So what am I saying? Pharaoh is not after you anymore. There's a big divide. There's a Red Sea that they can't cross. They try to cross it. Don't be trying. Yes, sir. There is a Red Sea. God intentionally led the people through the Red Sea. The people didn't understand. It was a trap for Pharaoh and his people. It's the same thing when you're walking in the world, they think you don't know what you're doing. But God ordered the foods above the righteous. He will take you to the place where your enemies will come in and get drowned. That reminds me of the vision I have tonight. I escaped. Praise the living God. God is at work. I was in this vision. We were walking. I don't know what happened. And I found that some military majors came and got all of us arrested. And then they say, you, okay, you stay there. We're coming to you. And then I find they're hitting the other people, beating hell out of them, shouting and all that. All of a sudden, I saw another guy jump from the other side and say, man, come on, let's move. We're not here, man. I got speeds. I always escaped. Glory to God. I didn't know I could run that fast, man. Climb a hill and I was on the other side. I didn't tell my wife, she's going to be afraid. I went through. Man, no devil is going to hold me. I got some spiritual energy on my life. Are you getting what I'm talking about? We escaped. You shall escape. You know what David said? David said, you made my heel feet. I can fly over walls. An old man making a description of the kind of energy that he possesses in the spirit. No devil is going to hold you. Are you see that? No, just, you just hold on. We are coming to you. I was just watching this guy. Beating up, beating blood flowing. Next thing I was on my head. They couldn't even see me. I was gone. What a speed, man. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God is on our side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? No power. I believe the sacrifice of Jesus. I believe in what the cross have done. I am a free man. No charges against me. No condemnation against me. I believe what I know. Praise the Lord. So let all the Pharaoh try. They're going to get drowned over the Red Sea. There's a Red Sea that they don't know. And you know how God tricked them? God parted the Red Sea. And they thought they were seeing a dry ground. Oh man. They stepped into it. And the water came in. And drowned them all. But the people of God have already passed through. Praise the living God. Are we still together? We come to celebrate what Jesus has done. So when I come to church, I come with all amount of joy because I know this is what Jesus did for me. I'm not talking about what he's going to do. Remember, the Bible says, He who gave his only begotten son, how much more will he not also freely give you all things? Praise the Lord. Number five. So that we can be running off. Number five. Now the prophet in the latter age spoke of the coming, I mean the event as a creation and a redemption of the nation. That's the thing. That means you are a new creature in God. God declares himself to be the creator of Israel. If you read the book of Isaiah, it says he's the creator of Israel. And so you become a new creature of God by reason of the Lord. What am I talking about? You're coming to celebrate your new life. Amen. So one of the things that Israel was actually doing, they were celebrating the birth of a new nation. 
Hallelujah. Now let's also ask the question, what birthday do we truly celebrate? Somebody once asked me the question, and I, I think it came, and I told him, which one do you really want me to celebrate now? Is it when I was born some years ago in one village, or when I met the Lord? Because when I met the Lord, I became a new creature. A new life came to me. So which one do I celebrate now? I'm confused. Maybe you need to give me the answer. Hallelujah. So basically when Israel celebrated Passover, they are celebrating when a new nation was born. Is that okay? Hallelujah. And that is the thing. The Asura was all looked upon as a birth of the new nation. Number six. You are a new creature by reason of your new birth in Christ. Praise the living God. Amen. So it was like an anniversary. Okay, number seven. It was the dedication of the people to him who has saved their firstborn from the destroyer in order that they might be made holy. In other words, they were celebrating their new consecration to God. Remember, the sacrifices were offered so that the people can become clean. Oh. Did you get that? In Second Chronicles. Amen. Hallelujah. When the priests offer the lamb, they were offered so that the people can become clean and sanctified. Now, you remember what we said before. The cleanness that described has to do with physical cleanness, chemical cleanness, moral cleanness. Are you there with me? Spiritual cleanness. Oh, come on. So think about it. It means the one sacrifice can make you clean morally, can make you clean spiritually, can make you clean chemically. And I try to think about your chemical composition. Hallelujah. Come on, I want you to pick that. Remember, when the Bible says, help me Lord. When the Bible says, in a twinkle of an eye, mm, in a moment, you shall be changed. Listen closely. That word moment has nothing to do with the flickering of your eyelids. The word moment is the Greek word atomos. And that is where you have your atom from. Atom in your chemistry. Are you still there? So when he say in a moment, he is saying what God is doing is to change your atomic structure. That every composition of your being will receive a divine impartation. That means God is bringing us to the place where we truly are going to live in divine health. Hallelujah. What the Bible said, be here. Remember what you call for John. I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospereth. Now, when you have to live in health, somebody, I'll listen to his testament for almost about 30 years now, he has never gotten any headache. That is divine healing. That is divine health. You can also experience it. Are you see that? So when the Bible talks about chemical cleansing, I'm, I'm believing that every composition of your being shall receive a divine impartation. All your weaknesses shall disappear. All your sicknesses must disappear. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Now can you see why when they were in the wilderness, none of them was feeble? Because the lamb sacrifice cleansed them from all form of filthiness that they had in Egypt. All form of sickness you had in the wall, they won't follow you this year into the house of God. Praise the living God. Everything 
thing that is not functioning in your life will receive the transformation. In the name of Jesus Christ. If God has come to set us free, we must celebrate the fullness of his freedom. We are not just only going to be free financially, we are also going to be free in our health. We can spend our money for doctors all the time. We can spend our money for drugs all the time. We got to live in divine health. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus paid for our health too. Are you still there with me? And so you're going to be made whole. Spirit, soul, and body. He said the Lord was presented so that the people can be sanctified and then made clean. Hallelujah. You're going to be sanctified and made clean. That is what the cross did for you. That is what you are celebrating when you come to church. So when you come to church, you are saying, God, I thank you. You made me whole. You set me free. You clean in every aspect of my life. I can't be sick. I can't be weak. I've got to be strong. Hallelujah. You must profess and confess what you know you've gotten. By confession, it becomes a possession. Your mind is working on what Jesus did. Don't come to just thinking of your past. Don't come to just thinking about Pharaoh. Don't come to just thinking about one demon pursuing you. I am saying to you this morning, there is a red sea that they cannot cross. You are already on the other side. You are already a new creature. There is a new life in your being. The blood of Jesus is flowing through your system. Come on, stand up somebody. I'm saying the power of God is flowing through you. The life of God is flowing through you. You can't continue to be sick. You have your freedom in Christ. 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 